Good morning, everyone. My name is Thomas, and if we haven't met yet, I am one of the family pastors here. Uh, so I'm here for families with kids, youth, young adults, uh, and so welcome. Good morning to all of you, and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day special. Happy Mother's Day to my wife, who is at home with our four kids, three of them puking all night last night. Not good. Did like six baths last night. So, you know, she's very special. So thank you, Ellie. Happy Mother's Day to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you may have heard messages at church on Mother's Day, maybe even about motherhood, maybe even preached by a mother. And not to be too on the nose here, but on this Mother's Day, we are going to be looking at the story of David and Goliath. All right, a Mother's Day classic, okay, as we continue our series on the book of First Samuel. So, yeah, we do things a little different here. Okay? So, right now, I want to let you know, I really enjoy reading books and other resources uh, about family discipleship. Obviously, that's, you know, my main area of focus here at the church. I love learning about how to pass down faith to kids. Right now, I'm reading a really great book called Spiritual Parenting. Um, and some of its points have been very challenging even for me. It's about how to pass faith down to kids, but I myself find myself challenged by it. So one of the chapters is actually on teaching kids about the big story of God, especially when it comes to uh, Scripture. We often tell isolated stories like David and Goliath without making it clear uh, how it's a part of the big God story, right? Kids often, they see uh, you know, characters like Samuel or David, they see them as the main characters of these isolated stories. And it's important that we show kids how each of these stories, in each of them, God is the main character, right? Everything is a part of Christ's storyline. So it's important, we, we got to help them see that God is the main character of their own life stories as well. You know, their lives are a part of that big God's story, in which Christ is that main character. Uh, every section of our text today points the, to the actual main character of Scripture and of our lives. So this morning, we're going to talk and walk through the story of David and Goliath with the lens of God as the actual main character, right? So discussing how, you know, David being offended in this story shows that God was the main character, how he showed that. How, uh, you know, David being seen as a fit opponent for Goliath, how that points to that. And David's victory over Goliath, how that shows that God really is the main character of this story. So for some people, the David and Goliath narrative, it's very, very well known, but uh, I'm not going to assume that everyone here is very familiar. So we are going to set the scene a bit. We start with the opening scene. It's the Philistines. They're gearing up to fight uh, you know, to battle God's people, the Israelites, and each army, they're standing on a hill with a valley in between them. Verse 4 of chapter 17 says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. So this big dude, giant of a man, Goliath, he emerges. Verses 8 to 10. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. And if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. 
So Goliath, he's talking trash to the Israelite army, right? And he challenges them to choose one person to take him on in a one-on-one, winner-take-all, classic fight to the death, right? So, you know, King Saul and the Israelites, they hear this from Goliath, and they're afraid. Uh, in verses 12 through 14, we're reintroduced to uh, the son of Jesse named David. David, he's the youngest of eight boys. How fun would that be? Right? I have three boys. <laughs> the house would never be clean. <laughs> Previously, he was chosen by God and anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. Right? And David's three oldest brothers, they went to go fight in Saul's army. And David, on top of being a shepherd of his father's flock, he's given the task of delivering food to his brothers uh, at their camp. So David arrives at their camp. He greets his brothers. In verse 23, as he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. So next, we hear about David's response to Goliath's taunting, which had been happening for uh, 40 days at this point. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see uh, how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. So David, he's getting more information on Israel's Goliath problem, right? While everyone else is afraid of Goliath, David, he's getting some more information. He wants to know what it is uh, King Saul's looking for. Saul, he's offering a real big reward, including his daughter's hand in marriage and an exemption from taxes. By show of hands, who here would like their family to be exempt from paying taxes? You know, thinking about my family, I thought, man, if this was, if this was my family, if there was a chance that I could free them from paying any kind of taxes, they might be pushing me towards Goliath, you know, just... He's, not, he's honestly not that big. You have a chance. I think you, I think you have a chance. <laughs> yeah, and although King Saul is offering a stellar prize, it does not seem to be enough to get anybody to come forward. Nobody's volunteering, even though this is a pretty wild prize. I mean, like, that might change my life to never have to pay taxes again. To have something be actually $4.99 would be sweet. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it was something that Goliath said that really bothered David, right? In verse 10, Goliath says, I defy the armies of Israel. In verse 25, the Israelites are talking about Goliath, saying things like, do you see this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. David, however, says in verse 26, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Right, so while everyone else refers to the Israelite army as Israel's army, David sees this as the army of the living God. Right? So everyone talks about this army as if it's something that belongs to the nation or people or king of Israel. But David recognizes it as the Lord's. While everyone else is seeing this as a battle of nations, David sees this as straight-up defiance of the living God by, by Goliath. And that's what offends David. 
his willingness to accept Goliath's challenge, it wasn't fueled by reward or patriotism, but by his identity as one of God's people. And in the same way, we ought to make sure that we don't mistake things like money, like patriotism, like the value we find in our jobs, our job titles, or anything else. We can't mistake those things as the main thing. Instead, our identity in Christ and our desire to honor God needs to be the main thing. Like David is doing, we need to let God be the reason that we act. The next part gives us some insight on what it's like to grow up in a family of eight boys, as well as, you know, proof that the Bible really is a fun read. Jesse's oldest son gives a typical big brother response to David's questions in verse 28. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few Sheep, yes, sheep, in the wilderness. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, uh, what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? So he gives a typical little brother response uh, to that. King Saul, he ends up hearing about this inquiry, and he sends for David in verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant, David's talking about himself, will go and fight him. So if there was an application process, there is no way David would have been selected to fight Goliath. Right? On paper, he's way underqualified. Right? His brother sees it, doesn't even take his conversations seriously and thinks he has wrong intentions. In verse 33, Saul even says to David, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. So David, he was the wrong height. He was the wrong shape, wrong weight class, and without the necessary experience. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, imagine that, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Despite what Eliab and Saul thought, God had been preparing David for this extraordinary task through his ordinary work. So if you've ever watched, you know, the original Karate Kid movie, movies you know you likely remember mr miyagi uh you know having his pupil daniel larusso buff his car instructing him wax on wax off wax on wax off and daniel you know he doesn't understand how this is karate training he just thinks he's been taken for a ride and taken advantage of uh, but later he realizes that this wax on wax off movement uh, that he's buffing the car with is a movement that he uses to block his opponents at the All-Valley Karate Tournament. <laughs> yes, I'm a geek. But anyways, Daniel LaRusso, he didn't equate his waxing his sensei's car with karate training. And we wouldn't equate the care of sheep to military training. But the Lord uses David's work of protecting the sheep to prepare him for this. 
right? God, the Holy Spirit is the one who equips us and qualifies us for those big challenges. This passage, it caused me to reflect and consider what parts of my past work experience God used to prepare me for what I feel is my biggest challenge and my greatest calling to serve at this church, right? Just a couple examples. I don't know if you know this about me, but I worked at a trampoline park for several years, and I got to work with a bunch of different characters, all kinds of different people. And I worked with a lot of young people who didn't have the same values as me. I was still a young, immature person, and it was hard to not conform a lot of times. But I see now how God protected me through all of that, through the years of working in that kind of environment. I had a construction job for four or five years, and I really feel like God used that job to develop grit in me. You know, it was really hard work, and I was unhappy the entire time I was doing it. But looking back, I really feel like God helped me endure until I was ready for the next thing. But, you know, I, didn't, I obviously didn't see it then. And I challenge you to consider how God might be preparing you now or has already prepared you for a big challenge. And I challenge you to recognize how it's God that's delivered you from bad situations, just like David's mentioning here. Like he, uh, he sees how God's prepared him, but he also recognizes that God's the one who saved him from the paw of the lion and bear. Now we arrive at the moment that Goliath meets his challenger, David. He looked David over and saw that he was little, little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised them. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Serious fighting words. So Goliath here, you know, he's here with his last bars, his last insults. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I imagine whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all into our hands. And finally, the moment fight fans around the world have been waiting for, the battle. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Everybody give it up for our champion David, all right? No, no, no. Guys, I'm kidding. I'm, that wasn't fair. I set you guys up. I'm sorry. That wasn't fair. You know, although it is easy to be impressed, you know, with the bravery displayed by David, we got to remember who the real victor is. David, he knew it. Even before he went into this battle, he knew who it was that was going to win it. He said, you come against me 
with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Right? So he did this not so he could ride off into the sunset with his bride, right? Not so he could get all this money and be set for life, or, you know, as kids say, just for the bag. He's, uh, you know, he's telling Goliath what's going to happen to him, saying it's so that the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He says it's so that all those who are gathered will know that the Lord saves. David, he didn't do it because he, just because he believed that God could help him win. Right? That would be faith in God's deliverance, but David, he was doing it all for the glory of God. David, he remembered all that God had done. And because of that, he had faith in what God was going to do. And in the name of the Lord Almighty, he was going to participate in it so that all would know that it's not by sword or spear that Yahweh saves. David versus Goliath, it's just a part of the story pointing to the true main event, the true main character. We need to remember what Christ has done for us, having faith in what he's going to do, and then participate in it so that he would be known. David, he stood in the gap for Israel to fight Goliath, mano y mano, to remove Israel's shame. Christ, he stood in the gap for us because we were bogged down by the way to sin. He stepped forward to fight this winner-take-all battle against sin and death to remove our shame. David, he had the opportunity uh, to wear Saul's armor, but it didn't fit right, so he just went into battle without it, trusting in God's deliverance. And Jesus, instead of doing everything to protect himself, he endured the cross, trusting in the Father's deliverance and plan. God saved David and became David's cause, the reason for his action. You know, Christ, he saved us, not by sword or spear, but by his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. In kids' church this month, in the elementary age class, we're learning about worship and how there are many different ways to worship. David, he used all his skills to worship God, whether it was just honoring his father by tending his sheep, or remembering and sharing his testimony of God's deliverance from lions and bears with Saul. You know, David, he wrote tons of worship music, and he fought Goliath so that God would be known. There's a lot of gifts and talents in this room that we can use to worship God. And there are lots of challenges that, you know, we could face that we need to recognize God's preparation for, and trust in his deliverance from. But we need to act in the name of the Lord so that people will know that there is a God and that he saves, not by sword or spear, and that he will deliver them. So this is why, this is why David's win over Goliath just yeah, hits different. His primary purpose was so that people could know about the living God. Sometimes we worship so that we can feel good about it, right? Sometimes we ask God to fight our battles, then we celebrate how well we relied on him, 
right? Or, you know, we do it sometimes to glorify ourselves and, you know, think about how well we trusted him, right? I know me personally, I am such a great relier sometimes. I'm so good at just relying on the Lord. And this kind of thinking, it makes us the main character of our lives. And I am not the main character of the Thomas story, right? Rather, the Thomas story is a part of the big God story. Thank you. God is the main character in our lives. When we live like he's the main character, the main thing, the main reason, then every moment becomes a true act of worship. People will know that there is a God and that he saves. So just as there are many different ways to worship. You know, there are many different ways that we can respond to our text today. And one way we're going to respond together this morning is with a song. So I encourage you, as we sing this song, to just reflect on whether or not God has been the main character in your story, or if it's been you. You know, maybe you have been allowing something other than God to be the main reason for your action. Maybe you feel like you need to say, God, you know, I'm sorry. I want to go back to making the main thing the main thing. You know, if that's you, let's just sing together. If not, just use this song to worship the way David did, uh, to make him known and to glorify him.